about 20 some odd years ago, I had a back spasm. I woke up in the middle of the night and I looked at my clock. I couldn't even read the clock. I didn't know what time it was. I was how much pain I was in. So uh, the next day, uh, I, I went to go to the doctor. I got up and um, my car was battery was dead. So I had to change my car battery. Those are not light. So I had to unhook that thing. Now I have one car. So I had to lug my battery in the wintertime downtown to, this, to the battery store with a back spasm and get it back, put it in my car, and then I then go to the doctor's. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and the doctor comes in. She goes, well, I can see one of your problems. <laughs> She's like, you're slouching. You're like halfway down in your chair. Like, uh, she starts talking about like some of the simple things that we can correct about about uh, about what's caused me to get to where I'm at. Well, about every seven years, I repeat the same process, not not with the same severity, fortunately. Uh, and about four months ago, I caught it right before it did it. Better get back down to the chiropractor. Same story. We we get into our habits, right, and and. And, and posture, we have, a, we have muscle memory. Muscle memory is, you just, you've learned it, it's behaviors you've practiced, they're things you do, and it's true spiritually. We have these postures that we take. And, and good or bad, they, they affect our life. Sometimes they cause pain, sometimes they, they prevent pain. Depends on, on what our posture is. And we're going to look at an early sermon of Jesus uh, today. And we're going to, um, I'm off. All right, I, I turned it on. All right, sorry. Uh-oh, I'm recording. I always, I always get the memo after the sermon. You didn't have your recorder on. Okay, there's too much technology up here. That's the problem. So I always forget one of the things. We're going to be talking about um, some things that Jesus said from the perspective of spiritual postures that we have or should have. Now, the, this, the text that we're going to read is, is, doesn't say posture in it, and it doesn't even use the word spiritual. Uh, we're talking about spiritual things in this last half of this, this year, and what, what spirituality means. And, and we've, we've gone through a series talking about kind of some of the elements that, that are a part of spirituality in order to set up some of the rest of the things we talked about how the spirit works life and how the how the spirit is is based on ideas and things like that and we're, we're going to see that as I said we're going to see that throughout so I want to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 5 verse 1 through 12 he says seeing the crowds he went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them and he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you and say utter uh, say and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be 
glad for your great is your reward in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm going to talk about this first one here, the poor in spirit. And as we do so, I want to talk about the posture of pride. Remember what June was? Pride month. And if you're like me, you did a slow burn at every rainbow that was jammed in your face. Went out to coffee and they had a rainbow cake. I don't know what that did. But that activity that that's associated with, believe it or not, it is not the first time in history that it's been connected with pride. Did you know that? Oh, it's been a long time ago it was connected with pride. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, he says, Behold, this is the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. Excess of food, prosperous ease. They did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty. That is proud. And so they did the abomination in front of me. And I removed them when I saw it. Sodom was guilty of pride. Boy, that sounds a little familiar. But what we see here is interesting is because if we just read the story of Sodom, we, we come away with one perception that, that they were exclusively punished for the abomination that they did. But what we find is, is that God was a deeper thinker than that. But he punished them for the root cause of multiple sins. He punished them for their pride. That manifested itself also in not taking care of those who needed it. We, we, we never read that in the original story. That's not a part of our story. But God was paying attention to that detail. It was pride that caused all of those things. Pride that thought that they could do that, get away with it, and do this and get away with that too. It was their pride. Well, we it shouldn't be surprised what God's view of pride then is. <laughs> considering how he dealt with that, but, but just in case there's any uh, ambiguity. He says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination, proud eyes, lying tongue, a hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. And, and, and I find it interesting that pride is the first in a list of multiple evils. Just as it is the root cause of multiple sins. The first thing that God hates is pride. And so it's interesting that as, as we look at Jesus' sermon, humility is the first thing he lists when he's talking about spiritual postures. I want to look at the posture of Christ's audience because it's important. As we do so, I want to first talk about the word blessed. 
What does blessed mean? I'm going to talk about this group. This is their name. But before we get to them, blessed has a number of definitions. Right? A lot of your versions, if you have like an NIV or something like that, it might say happy. Happy is this, happy is that. I mean, that's not a bad translation. It might not be the correct one in, in all, but it's... So to bless means to an extend a benefit to somebody or something. To show a favor. To contribute to. And so to be blessed then is the passive version of that. You can, you can have or receive a gift or receive a favor. You've been blessed. And so the word blessed can refer to any aspect of, of that. So it can refer to your emotional response. You, you get a gift. It was unexpected. You're happy, right? And so that's why it's translated often as happy, because of the effect of it. Or it may simply mean to be fortunate. You're fortunate. You got a gift. You weren't expecting it. You didn't do anything to get it. You're fortunate. You're blessed. When we look at this people that we're talking about, it is not likely that they were happy. So for them to hear that would be a surprise. I'm happy. Oh, thank you very much. He says, blessed are you when men revile you and say evil things against you. That doesn't sound like a group of people that are very happy. So who are they? As you see, they're a group in the Old Testament. They go by several names. The Amharits is two words. Ezra talks about them. He says that the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. There's a couple of things in here interesting. We know that they, they, the Jews come back from Babylon. And, uh, and these people around them, they're called the people of the land, the inhabitants, the local groups. And this was... This sounds pretty benign to you and me, people of the land, but this was actually a colloquialism to them, people of the land. It was an insult. And it would be used roughly like the word ignoramus today. That's how they used it, people of the land. They were ignorant, uneducated people. They were most offensively ignorant of the Torah and the, the, the laws of God. And that's what made them so offensive. They're living in our land and they are ignorant of, of the law. And, and so this is why when we get to the New Testament and you see the, the derision that anything or anybody from Galilee gets, it's because the people that Jesus is speaking to is this Amharetz, this people of the land. They go by another name. They're called the Anawim. You might have heard that phrase before, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Psalms 149, 
1 through 4 says, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let his children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and making melody with the tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the lowly with salvation. This word lowly is the word anawim. And I want to describe who they are. Now this just generally means low people. It means a lot of things. It can mean outcasts. Some of your versions here, if you're reading along, might, might say outcasts or humble or some version of that. And it is just a general reference to people of, of low position up until the fall of Babylon or the fall of, of, of Jerusalem in, in, in the exile into Babylon. After that, it is specifically referring to a class of people within Judaism. Now, now the last one, when we read, it almost sounds like the, the people of the land, like they're talking about Gentiles. <coughs> but they're not. In fact, that people was more despised than Gentiles. They're actually natively Hebrew people. How did they get to be more despised than Gentiles? Sometimes Galilee is called Galilee of the Gentiles. No, what they weren't. They were Jewish people or Hebrew people. How did they get there? Well, we have to look at their history. Let me back up here. Babylon, uh, in conquering uh, this land, came three times. And, and what they did, when they went anywhere and conquered, they took, they didn't just slaughter everybody. And there's a, this misconception that they just slaughtered everybody. Rome did that. Babylon was a little bit smarter. They took all the good stuff. And they took all the talent, too. They, 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 they found the people who were smart, like, like Daniel or, or, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they found these people, they said, these are trainable people. And they, they took them and they educated them in, in Chaldean education. And so they came first, and they took a bunch of stuff and people, and they came again and took the next group of talent people. Then they came back and said, all right, we're going to scour and find anything that we can. Anything of value. This is our last time, and then we're going home. Now, you really haven't been insulted until your enemy three times comes for all the talent and you miss the cut every time. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty low, that's pretty low. Like, I'm sorry, you really have nothing to offer us. We're not even going to take you as slaves. That's pretty how bad you are. That's this group of people. That's this Anawim, the people of the land. They're the people of the land because they're left there in the land. The Bible sometimes refers to them as a remnant. Left over. So, for 70 years, they have no rabbis. They're all talented. They're gone. They have no synagogues, no temples, 
No, no. I've lived in a society that's been, has some of the traditions of religion without the education for about 80 years. I know what that does to a people. I've seen it. Well, the world is seeing it today. That's what happens to a society, what people will do to each other when they've lost all moral compass. We see that in the news every day today. And that's why these people were so offensive to Jews who returned. They're completely uneducated in anything religious. So they were worse than Gentiles. They started out behind and they just got worse and worse and worse. So Jesus takes a posture towards this audience. It's not the posture that you would think. Well, Jesus described his people in Matthew chapter 9. He says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease, every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus Jesus doesn't look at them as ignoramuses. He understands that they're victims. They're harassed. They're helpless. So he takes a different posture towards these people. Luke's record of the Sermon on the Mount doesn't say blessed are the poor in spirit. It says, blessed are the poor. Because so often, they go hand in hand. Now, now I don't believe Christ was trying to get across that if you don't have money, that you're fortunate. I don't think that's what he was trying to say. That, that's not what made these people fortunate. Because it's not about how much money you have or don't have. That word, anawim, that we talk about the poor actually comes from a word depressed. Blessed are the depressed. That, that, that makes it even worse. We kind of make the same connection. In the 1930s, we had a period of poverty called the Great Depression. It's the same thing. We, we do the same thing in our, in our cultures. We, we connect things. It's about their posture that he's, that he's taking a reference to. But this word comes to eventually just be used generally to refer to anybody who's disadvantaged in any way. And it means humble. As it's used probably more here. It can mean those who are humbled by or forced to humility by their circumstances. Or it can mean more nobly, like like a person who has changed their attitude to one of hum, humble or humility. We might call it pathetic or pitiful. And so, as we look at Christ's posture, um, 
He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, now, now consider this. You're, you're hearing Jesus for the first time. There's all this buzz about this, this great rabbi. <coughs> great rabbis don't come to visit the Anoim. They're nobodies. Jerusalem would not spend the time to spit on these people. That's how low they are. And a great rabbi is going to come and talk to us. Some, wow. So they're all going to go out. They all go out to listen. To the first time Jesus is going to speak to this group of people. And they hear, we're blessed. That's the first words out of his mouth. You're blessed. This guy's fruitcakes. <laughs> How am I blessed? I am not happy. I'm the Yanoi. How am I happy? Please explain. I'm all ears. No, 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 no. You're fortunate. Okay. <laughs> not getting much better. Why are they fortunate? Jesus explains that God is going to make a kingdom out of them. That's why God has chosen you. The ones that Nebuchadnezzar went three times and didn't see anything of value in you. Nebuchadnezzar, in fact, not only did he not see any value, with you, he, he said, he said I'm, not, I'm, I'm so not threatened by you that I can just leave you here unsupervised. That's how, that's how little I think of you. And God says, I'm going to take this group. And I'm going to make an empire that will conquer not just Babylon, but the next three empires put together. That's how good I am. You're fortunate. The empire that conquers the empire that conquers the empire that conquers Babylon, I'm going to bring them down with the Anawim. With the unfortunates of society. The marginalized. You are favored. God has handpicked you. I want to look at a we, we think this is called the Magnificat. This is Mary's song. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. A woman of poverty. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. And so Mary personally felt this. I don't know what it was about her, other than maybe poverty or whatever other condition she might have thought she was in, that she felt so blessed by this, something about this event. 
And Mary is describing those who have a posture of humility, not just, not just their financial state. It might be wealthy people who realize the insecurity of wealth. You know, pride is a crime that is committed against God by people of all economic levels. You can be poor and proud. You can be rich and proud. You can be humble in both states as well. This is about the posture of a person towards God and towards other people, as we see. I want to look at the posture of the proud. It's described in Revelation. It says, To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, I know your works, you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I've prospered. I have nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked, I would advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, a salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. This is about their posture. See, the wealthy can purchase what they need. This is, this is why, why are they fortunate? Why are these Anawim fortunate? Because they are picked. They are picked because they are not like the wealthy as described here in Revelation. Because the wealthy can buy what they need. The powerful and the politically connected can take what they need. We want this. It's ours now. And so they never understand where blessings come from. They are truly blind. They think it came from them. They are mistaken. That's what God points out here. But the Anawim, they're different. Their fortune, Thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I live in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to receive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. God favors them because of their attitude, because of the posture that they've taken. They know and acknowledge that everything they have comes from God. Not every poor person does this. That's why I say it can be a crime of everybody. But God says, this group of people is more likely to recognize that they can't buy what they need. And they can't take what they need. They can't make a law to get what they want. They're not educated, so they can't figure out how to get what they want. They're going to be dependent upon me. And so I can make a kingdom out of them because they will be dependent on me. Our posture towards God, this is the first thing that makes us a citizen, 
is to take this posture that God is the one who owes or, or to whom we owe everything, who has given us everything that we have. It is not that poverty is an entrance requirement to the kingdom, but that humility is. And so they're sitting there getting this incredible message. God thinks that of me. This is great news. And Jesus is going to spend almost all of his time here. Oh, he'll go down every once in a while. He spends all of his time, probably 90% of it, with this group of people. I always get that little voice when you're trying to get somewhere. Recalculating. <laughs> what did I do now? It can always be worse. I want to recalculate. This is the challenge. Two ways to recalculate based on what Christ said. First, internally. What do I rest on? When it comes down to it, what, what do I think is going to save me from a precarious situation? Oh no, this is happening. We look first to our bank accounts, don't we? We look to this. So I'm going to vote. Oh, it's time to vote. Politics, the power, the, the political connection will save me. And we, we go through the checklist of things that is going to save us from, from whatever it is. And we are disappointed time and time again. God is not interested. He's interested in Anawi. He's interested in people who will... Let go of all the, the safety backups and trust in God for what is going to truly rescue a person, a church, a community, a country. There's only one answer. There's only one thing that God has ever wanted to build his kingdom out of. That's internal. And there's also the other side of that is external. It's, as they say, flip the script a little bit. How do I view the Anawim? Do I, do I take Christ's approach to those who are marginalized? There's no one more educated than Christ. There's no one more powerful than Christ. There's no one more with more accessibility to wealth than Christ. And Christ takes the approach not to treat them as unfavorable or undesirables, not to marginalize them, 
But Christ comes and treats them with respect. <coughs> and it betrays the, the attitude of what God doesn't want. That is that the proud overlook them because they have nothing to offer. This, this group of people has nothing to offer me. I mean, do you think these people, if, 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 if they're in our church, that the, the, the bottom line, that they're going to tithe? They have nothing to offer. God says, that's what I will build my kingdom out of. What? is my attitude that will tell me a lot about what side of these groups I'm in and how God will take his posture towards me. We've seen God's posture in two different ways and throughout this, towards those of pride and towards those of humility. And that is where we need to recalculate this morning.